0: Hello, I'm Jonathan R. Allen. Welcome to my Learn Civil War History Podcast. Hold the high ground, fix bayonets, and keep your powder dry. Let's get started and have some fun learning about the Civil War. Mules in the Civil War is episode six of the Learn Civil War History Podcast. Mules are sturdy, hardy, and durable animals. In the Civil War, they provided a lot of brute strength to get tough, back-breaking work done for both the North and the South. Their specialty was pulling wagons. Note that a mule is a cross between a male donkey and a female horse. Oppositely, a henny is the result of crossing a male horse with a female donkey. Mules are sterile and usually cannot reproduce, but there are exceptions. In the 19th century, mules were commonly used on farms. They are so strong, they can perform hard work under severe conditions that might injure or kill a horse. Mules can survive on the poorest of food. Before America became mechanized, the mule was a much-needed draft animal. At the start of the Civil War, it's estimated there were more than a million mules in the country. Most of the mules were found in the South. The states producing the most mules were Kentucky, Missouri, and Tennessee. Kentucky was known for having the best quality and largest size of mules. During the Civil War, mules were used to pull wagons of supplies and forage. They were pack animals beasts of burden. Mules would carry regimental baggage, rations, and boxes of small arms ammunition with specially designed pack saddles strapped on their backs. Mules would be used in teams of six and hitched to wagons in pairs. The mule driver rode on the back of the mule nearest to the wagon and on the right side. He kept his authority over the mules. This was no small task as mules are often ornery and uncooperative. The mule driver would use a whip called a black snake to make his mules behave. He would crack the black snake near or on the ears of the mules to make them obey. The mule driver was often an expert at using oaths and streams of profanity to communicate with his mules. Listener, let your imagination run wild as to what the oaths and profanities were. A good mule driver was very valuable. He knew the particular behaviors of his mules and all the tricks needed to keep them in order. Mule drivers had to be tough. Mules are not as workable and cooperative as horses. They are known for having their own independent mind. Mules have the astonishing ability to kick very forcefully accurately, and effectively. As an aside, this podcaster has dealt with a mean and nasty horse in his days. A horse named Rex had it in for me, even though I fed him sugar cubes and apples from outside his stall. He was blind in one eye and had a bad attitude about life, and the six-year-old me. I steered clear of him when he was in pasture, Rex would kick his stall's walls like a jackhammer. I find it scary to know that a mule with its kicking skills could be worse than Rex was. Nevertheless, I digress. Mules were nervous and skittish under the fire and sounds of a battle. It was best not to use mules for cavalry, artillery, or ambulance corps work. They could not be trusted. Horses were better for these duties because they were more cooperative and easier to work with. Mules were best at pulling supply wagons and working as pack animals. Mules were used to bring ammunition as close to the front lines of a battle as possible. There was a limit as to how close because mules are too excitable. It was just too dangerous to get mules too close to a battle. Under battle fire... Mules would probably become uncontrollable, would panic, and might even bolt toward enemy lines. John D. Billings served in the Army of the Potomac. In his 1888 book, Hardtack and Coffee, there is a chapter devoted to the Army mule. Billings' words best describe Civil War mules and what working with them was like. Here are some informative and entertaining excerpts about mules from Billings' book. ADVANTAGES OF MULES Aside from this nervousness under fire, mules have a great advantage over horses in being better able to stand hard usage, bad feed, or no feed, and neglect generally. They can travel over rough ground unharmed where horses would be lamed or injured in some way. They will eat brush and not be very hungry to do it either. When forage was short, the drivers were wont to cut branches and throw them before them for their enjoyment. One M.D., mule driver, tells of having his army overcoat partly eaten by one of his team, actually chewed and swallowed. The operation made the driver blue if the diet did not thus affect the mule. Six Mule Team In organizing a six mule team, a large pair of heavy animals were selected for the pole, a smaller size for the swing, and a still smaller pair for leaders. There were advantages in this arrangement. In the first place, in going through a miry spot, the small leaders soon placed themselves by their quick movements on firm footing where they can take hold and pull the pole mules out of the wallow. Again, with a good, heavy, steady pair of wheel mules, the driver can restrain the smaller ones that are more apt to be frisky and reckless at times, and, assisted by the brake, hold back his loaded wagon in descending a hill. Then, there was more elasticity in such a team, when well trained, and a good driver could handle them more gracefully and dexterously than he could the same number of horses. Mule Driver and Mule Driving It was really wonderful to see some of the experts drive these teams. The driver rides near the pole mule, holding in his left hand a single rein. This connects with the bits of the near lead mule. By pulling this rein, of course, the brutes would go to the left. To direct them to the right, one or more short jerks of it were given, accompanied by a sort of gibberish which the mule drivers acquired in the business. The bits of the lead mules being connected by an iron bar, whatever movement was made by the near one, directed the movements of the off one. The pole mules were controlled by short reins which hung over their necks. The driver carried in his right hand his black snake, that is, his black leather whip, which was used with much effect on occasion. Accompanied by the driver's very expressive ejaculation in the mule tongue, which I can only describe as a kind of cross between an unearthly screech and a groan, had the effect to disentangle them unaided, and make them stand as if at present to their master. When off-duty in camp, they were usually hitched to the pole of their wagon. Three on either side, and here, between meals, they were often as antic as kittens or puppies at play, leaping from one side of the pole to the other, lying down, tumbling over and biting each other, until perhaps all six would be an apparently confused heap of mule. If the driver appeared at such a crisis, with his black ear trumpet, one second was long enough to dissolve the pile into its original mule atoms, and arrange them again on either side of the pole, looking as orderly and innocent as if on inspection. I have stated that the mule was uncertain. I mean as to his intentions. He cannot be trusted even when appearing honest and affectionate. His reputation as a kicker is worldwide. He was the mugwump of the service. The mule that will not kick is a curiosity. A veteran relates how, after the Battle of Antietam, he saw a black mule driver approach his mules that were standing unhitched from the wagons, when presto, one of them knocked him to the ground in a twinkling with one of those unexpected instantaneous kicks, for which the mule is peerless. Slowly picking himself up, the black man walked deliberately to his wagon, took out a long stake the size of his arm, returned with the same moderate pace to his muleship, dealt him a stunning blow on the head with a stake, which felled him to the ground. The stake was returned with the same deliberation. The mule lay quiet for a moment, then arose, shook his head, a truce was declared, and the driver and mule were at peace and understood each other. This ends the mule excerpts, from Hardtack and Coffee by John D. Billings. Note to listener, now offensive words in these excerpts were replaced by your podcaster with now acceptable words. I'll close this episode with two quotes from the Civil War about mules. Jeff Davis rode a dapple gray. Lincoln rode a mule. Jeff Davis is a gentleman and Lincoln is a fool. A verse from a Confederate song. If you don't have my army supplied, and keep it supplied, we'll eat your mules up, sir. William Tecumseh Sherman's warning to an Army quartermaster before the departure of Sherman's army from Chattanooga toward Atlanta. Thank you for listening to this Learn Civil War History podcast. More podcasts are on the way. In the meantime, stop by my LearnCivilWarHistory.com blog to learn more Civil War history. Fix up some coffee and chew on some hardtack, but don't break any teeth and look out for weevils. We'll soon visit again. At ease.